Hello, this is Naomi with Planet on a Post-it, and welcome to the Planet on a Post-it podcast, where we talk about event planning, work-life balance, and leadership. This episode, we're going to be sitting down with Lindsay Anvik. Lindsay is um, a wonderful, wonderful fourth-generation entrepreneur and CEO of Sea Endless. We are going to be talking to her about leadership, talking to her a little bit about um, the seminars that she gives and her advice for event planners that are looking to continue to um, hold down the lines of leadership. Before we get started in that interview, I did want to make a few announcements. We have a new book club book, guys. So our new book is Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. And we're looking to be um, delving into that conversation on Wednesday, June 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I really, really hope that you all can join us. I believe, I'm sorry, I think that's 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. So I really, again, hope that you all are able to join us. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. This book really talks about productivity, saving time, working with your email inbox. And I know that those are things that we definitely have some troubles with we could use some more assistance with and could use some just some best practice tips in order to be able to get through our day the most efficiently way that we can I wanted to also remind you that there is another episode episode one was an interview with Erin Chapman and we talked to her about leadership from a CEO perspective so definitely go back to that episode and take a listen let us know what you think we also have a couple new things going on on the website so make sure that you're always following our posts so that you can be up to date and everything that we're talking about on the website also facebook make sure you go in there like the facebook page follow on twitter and even like this episode right here and give it a rating and comment would love to hear what you have to say so without further ado i wanted to go ahead and introduce Lindsay Anvik and give you a little bit more about her so Lindsay um travels the world and she gives seminars on productivity, leadership marketing. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies and major museums to mom and pop companies. She develops webinars and education series to help companies grow and develop happier and more motivated workforces. Her company is Sea Endless. So you can go to it by going seaendless.com. It is focused on helping leaders and employees tap into their endless potential. And we could use a lot of that. Her business advice and strategies have led to coverage in the New York Times, Forbes, InStyle Magazine, Wall Street Journal, ABC News and more. And she's been featured contributor on MSNBC's Your Business several times. So without further ado, I want you to sit back, relax, enjoy, uh, and enjoy this interview that I had with Lindsay, and I will come back at the end and wrap it up with a few takeaways of my own. Thank you. All right. Well, today we're talking with Lindsay and Vic, um, and really excited to jump into um, what she has to share with us in regards to productivity, leadership, and marketing. So, um, Lindsay, welcome. Welcome to Talking with Planet on Post-it. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Us too. Well, I am. I definitely am too. So I wanted to 
ask you to tell us briefly about your story, how you've come to be a successful professional business coach and speaker. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I started off after college in music and film and really sort of enjoyed that experience and um, got into the promotion side of um, film and music. And um, that included some events and PR. And then when I turned 30, I really wanted to um, switch it up a little bit, do something on my own, take ownership of things, have a little more interaction with clients. And so I started my own company and then fast forward seven years, um, I'm still standing and doing great. And it's funny, I started speaking as a way to promote my business coaching mm. and found that it was more of my calling. I mean, I love business coaching too, and I still do that. Um, but I, if I could speak every day, I would. So it's sort of, I came by it sort of by happenstance. And you just love it. You love yes. talking and um, speaking, huh? Yeah. So what about um, the, the music? What types of music did you, did you, did you dabble in? So I worked for Eminem and 50 Cent um, oh, on no, their record good. label. Um, so that was my first job out of college. And then I segued into um, documentary and independent film and getting them sort of distribution. So it was a great experience, you know, both of them, they threw me in the deep end and were just like, figure it out, you know, which is, I think, similar to uh, the event space, you know, you're sort of, uh, you know, thrown all these things and you right. sort of have to figure it out on the fly lots of times. So it was, I had a lot of fun doing it. Right. We like to call it baptism by fire. They say. Right. <laughs> True. <laughs> Well, that sounds like a pretty exciting time. So um, you, in, after going through that, you decided to take up, just have your own company. Um, tell us about that and what was the decision to, to kind of branch out on your own? You know, I, when I was in college, I almost was a, a therapist. And I, oh. I, I considered doing that because I really liked the idea of helping people. And when I was doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients, you know, at the PR agency. I found that that was my favorite part of my job. Although I really like the creativity aspect, teaching them about certain things or coaching them on certain aspects of their business seemed to be the most enjoyable to me. And mm -hmm. so I think it makes sense because I like the fact that I was helping them, you know, and mm -hmm. so um, it just was a natural sort of progression to do more of that. That's great. Um, kind of a natural born um, teacher and, and leader. And I like that because some people don't always aspire to do that. So it's great when people recognize that within themselves, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Great. So tell us about um, where you are now and being a professional speaker and um, just how is that so much different than, you know, where you, where you, where you were before? Well, I think that what's great is that right now I get to travel all over the world, which I love. That's my favorite part of the job besides helping people. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that I can help a group of people at once often when I'm speaking as opposed to just one-on-one. -on -one. So I still do business coaching quite a bit. But um, like I said, if I could speak every day, I definitely would. Um, and it feels great to work with event planners. And, you know, they always have you know, interesting ideas about topics and all kinds of insight about audience members. And so it's always fun to work with them to, you know, help make their event better. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what, what are, I guess, with the travel aspect, I'm assuming that you speaking means that you're on the road a lot. So what are some of the challenges that comes from, from the travel aspect that you have to overcome or that you had to overcome to get comfortable with it? I think trying as much as you can to maintain a schedule. So I am a, a big proponent of waking up early. I, I used to be a night owl, but now I wake up early and I work out and I have time to myself to do either um, read, read, <clears throat> read the paper, drink some coffee, just have some downtime before I start my work day. And that I try to have that when I'm on the road. So it's a similar sort of, okay, we're up. We've worked out. We've done something good where the endorphins are flowing. And now now we have a little bit of time to ourselves, And now we can devote the rest of the day to um, the event and the audience. Because as I'm sure as you know, <clears throat> you know, if you get going, you know, by the end of the, the day in a conference, you know, or a trade show, you want to lay down. You want to have a cocktail and then lay down. <laughs> exactly. So how did you make that transition to waking up early? I know um, a lot of people are night owls. I'm included. I love to stay up very late. Sometimes my husband doesn't like that. Um, but what what are some of the things that got you um, into waking up early to have that time for yourself? I think one of the biggest things was that I found that I was compromising myself the majority of, of the days in the week. And so I never really got time for myself because I would always put my clients or my family or, you know, um, my relationship first. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the day, there was not much left. And so then I just kept working. And so I tried, um, it took me quite a while to get into the morning routine and it's, it's still a battle some days, but that was the priority. It was like, if I don't take it in the morning, I know by seven o'clock, I'm not going to take it because too many other things will get in the way. So for me, it was just putting myself first, which is a hard thing, I think, for all women to do, mm-hmm. you know, because we are sort of natural born, you know, givers. And exactly. So I decided to take it for myself. And I found out that I'm better at work. I'm better at home. Um, I'm in a better mood <laughs> because I have a little time. And so that and also I feel like I, I function better on a sort of like wake up early, go to bed early, mm-hmm. earlier routine. Um, so, but okay. it did take a few months of transition. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, now it works for you because you feel a little bit more fulfilled because you do have that time for yourself in the morning and um, you're able to feed yourself first before you, you feed other people, I guess. A hundred percent. And that's what keeps me doing it. Cause I, mm-hmm. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to wake up when it's still dark outside. That's like my nightmare. But, you know, <laughs> the benefit is knowing that I, like you said, I get to feed myself before and that makes me so much better during the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it helps overcome some of the challenges that you might have as a professional business coach as well and speaker. So what are some of those challenges that you have with, with what you, what you currently do? I think managing all, like so all, all the moving parts for mm-hmm. sure is is a big piece of it. Um, I always try to do a survey with the audience if I know um, who they are beforehand or if the event planner has um, access to them beforehand. And then I incorporate it into my talks, which makes my process of creating a presentation a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it makes it much more interesting for me. It makes it much more valuable for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so balancing that time and um, 
because I love research and sort of the latest, greatest things about news and, and whatever I'm talking about, I can go deep down the rabbit hole of that. And I have to sort of pull myself back up and, you know, sort of stay on task. Um, so I would say that's probably the, the biggest one. Um, and then I think that, you know, uh, the other challenge that I have is just not, I feel like event planners don't utilize um, speakers enough and not because mm. they don't think about it, but because they're too, too busy doing a million other things. So like once they mm. book a speaker, speakers, you know, they have the contract, they know when you travel and they've secured your hotel and they move on to the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they could squeeze way more out of us in terms of content creation, in terms of sort of one-on-one coaching with um, audience members, you know, just doing more things, you know, t- mm-hmm. you know, taking, a, and I also think we're great for feedback too about mm-hmm. the conference because we're often in the same hotels, taking the same shuttles and right. um, both the vendors or the audience members um, tend to talk to us like we're a peer, even though we're hired by the event company. So we tend to hear, pretty honest feedback but Mm -hmm. um as a speaker we can give them construct you know give event planners sort of constructive feedback both positive and negative whereas i feel just the audience and the attendees sometimes in general just are you know chronic complainers in some ways (laughs) because you can't please everyone and there are no no one's ever going to be 100 percent. yeah of course (laughs) um no one's ever going to be 100 percent happy but um i think that uh, event planners sometimes forget that we're sort of on the inside in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I always try when I can to like post event, um, share with the event, like the shuttle's running great this time, whatever you guys are doing, I feel like it work- it's working great. And other people were talking about that. And, you know, this new thing came in and they like this about it, but not that. And just as mm-hmm. a way to help them and and not in a way that's, um, you know, um, and I try to be mindful of what they can control, you know, obviously right. you can't control if the bus driver has bad music on the shuttle, like you right. know, to the event, <laughs> you know, but I'm sure unfortunately the event planner may hear about those things. So I try to make it constructive. Right. And, and you bring up a good point that speakers are already there, um, especially for a certain amount of time. So leveraging them for feedback or maybe pre post, um, videos. I've seen some speakers do that as well. Um, And then maybe even breakout sessions. Those are some other areas in which speakers can be leveraged too. Um, Any other ideas or any other um, areas where you've seen people, let's say, utilize you where um, they can just to give some ideas to our event planners out there? Sure. Um, I always love to follow up with saying, you know, leading up to the event and then after the event, why don't I write a few articles for email, you know, or for your blog or for the event, you know, page um, so that people can get excited about the topics that are going to be talked about. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I also get the benefit of, you know, people knowing that I'm going to be there and what I have to say and they get some content, which I know is always sort of an extra stressor on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sort of webinars and things like that. I've been, you know, um, working with more event planners, you know, post and pre saying, why don't we do some more follow up on this? You know, we've gotten this feedback that they want more of this or that, you know, why don't we do something and record it and then people can access it whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I think that event planners, they have so many things on their plate that it's, it's, you know, they forget sometimes to sort of squeeze, squeeze the speakers as much as they can for um, some of those things, because, you know, we, I, I, at least I am more, more than willing to 
um, help an event planner because I want the event to be great and I want the attendee experience to be really positive and I want as many people there as possible. So however I can aid in that, I definitely want to be a part of. And then afterwards, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, I really like the idea of the survey and being a little bit more targeted for the attendees that are in the audience. And the fact that you do that is, is great. I think it's well worth the time, right. That you put into um, doing it because you can then tailor what you're speaking about to, um, to their audience specifically. So that's great. Yeah. And I think the audience usually has a really great response to it because Mm -hmm they know that I've looked at their business or they know that I know more of their pain points and I try to really address those specifically. So then, you know, even if I'm talking about a general subject, I can really dig into whatever some of their problems are and give, you know, give them some help and advice and tips and suggestions so that they can leave with some really sort of concrete things. Cause I think mm-hmm. one thing that I see sometimes with speakers is that people leave and it's a very macro speech and that that's great to some extent, sometimes for motivation or for sort of trends and things like that. But in terms of like concrete advice, like what do I do today from this? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be harder. So that's one, another one of the reasons why I like to personalize my talks. Mm-hmm. I think another area that event planners have, um, you know, trouble in understanding, too, is what the trends are in the speaker world, um, because I think either we're going internally for speakers within our organization. If we ha- go externally, you know, maybe someone already has a, you know, a recommendation. But what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the speaker industry? I think it's getting to be more inter way more interactive i think you know it used to be a speaker would get up and just talk for an hour and that was it Mm -hmm. and now i found that there's a a lot more interaction there's a lot more question and answer than there ever used to be i think Mm -hmm. that sometimes the way that it's it's set up can be more where the speaker has more one-on-one time with smaller groups so you know more breakout sessions but also um finding ways for the audience to also connect with each other. So sometimes um, I've seen where, you know, I try to, you know, connect, you know, one audience member with another. So if one is having a problem, it's saying, okay, you know, if if you're a supplier and you're, um, you know, a a buyer, you know, Mm -hmm. try to find each other and, and, you know, in this room and sort of see how you can help each other or or see, you know, where where you guys overlap with, um, with business. Right. Yeah. No, I, I see that too. I think everywhere, everybody wants engagement. So I think, again, like you mentioned on the speaker level, just finding ways for the speaker to engage on the level of the attendee um, is very important too. So thank you for that. So tell us a little bit about just stressful moments and just leading teams in the time of stress. And I know that you're definitely a leadership expert. Um, wanted to tap into your knowledge about how leaders can motivate their teams and how you can see it helping see managers or leaders helping their teams with their work-life balance. Has that been kind of a hot topic these days? Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say my best advice, especially in moments of stress is to remember to praise publicly and to critique or give maybe negative feedback privately. And, you know, this can be difficult, especially in a stressful set setting or, or a setting where there's a whole group there. 
you know, we, we tend to want to, you know, say, you know, why did you do this? But, you know, and it's just a natural thing that our brain does, you know, why did, why did you do this? You know, even though Mm -hmm. it's in front of a bunch of people, but what that does for the, you know, worker is, you know, sort of make them self-conscious, you know, make them defensive, you know, you know, embarrass them, you know, even though we may not be trying to do that, obviously, that's never our intention. So, you know, taking someone aside is always a good idea. And then uh, the opposite is true. If someone's doing a great job, you know, it's important that in front of their peers, other leaders, you know, your boss, if you have a boss, you know, to see that, you know, you're also praising your team and giving credit where credit's due and that the team can see that. Um, I'm also a big proponent of instead of saying um, who did this or, or who screwed this up, I say, how did this happen? I love that. (laughs) Because that's a big difference because instead of blaming, you know, and figuring out who is to blame, you know, which in the end doesn't really matter unless that's super, a super consistent pattern, then that's another issue. But how did this happen? Because sometimes Joe may have screwed it up, but it's really because Alyssa forgot to do something so that then Joe ended up taking the fall, but it was really sort of a chain reaction. And maybe Alyssa forgot to do something because she was told to do something else. And so if you can get the whole uh, bird's eye view of the situation and say, how did this happen? I think the team is more likely to give you feedback. And if they know you're not going to jump on them and blame people right away, or, you know, that that's not your goal, they're much more likely to be open and honest about what went wrong. And then you can say, all right, well, how do we fix this? You know, what's, exactly. here's my idea. Or what do you, what do you guys think? You know, how do you guys, you know, how can we help each other not have this happen in the future? And to me, that's what being a team is. It's not blaming people, not Absolutely. pointing the fingers, but coming together and saying, okay, this happened. Let's move on. Uh, how, how do we make this ha- not happen in the future? And, you know, let's keep going. You know, let's not worry about that. You know, now we're, we're now we're looking forward. Right. And nobody truly sets out to, <laughs> to do something wrong. It, like, of course. You know, it's, yeah. It's usually a chain reaction or it's a systemic thing and, you know, getting to the bottom of it by saying, how did this happen really helps you start off in the right right spot so I really especially with events too Mm -hmm. I feel like with events it can be a super chain reaction you know so many things can you know um be a domino effect so it's good to know where this you know how how it started and how Mm -hmm. how you know what happened I agree and it helps you get to the decision quicker too instead of saying who did this how did it happen so you're making quick decisions especially when you're on site like you mentioned with events Absolutely. So, um, so tell us about just your tips on managing stress or just managing productivity or productivity. We are now in an era where we're doing more meetings, less time. We need to do more with less. Um, can you share some tips on how we can continue as leaders to do more with less? <laughs> sure. How can um, we pack our day into, you know, into one day out of seven days a week? <laughs> so in terms of meetings, I, it used to drive me crazy when I was at a big PR agency that we would be called to a meeting and then asked to brainstorm at that meeting. And it's no one ever had a really good idea. And so when I got to a point where I could hold the meetings and then from then on, I always asked my team to do the work before the meeting and gave them very specific measurable things I wanted them to do. So come to you know, tomorrow's meeting with three event ideas or three event themes or three ways that we could, you know, promote this on social media. And we're all going to share our ideas and sort of move forward from there. And that way they know what they're, what's expected of them. 
they know what we're going to do. I, mm-hmm. I'm not wasting anyone's time by us sitting there looking at each other, trying to figure out, you know, coming up with an idea at the top of our, you know, um, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I know what I'm going to get. If I have 10 people in the room and everyone's coming with thir- three ideas, I'm going to have 30 ideas plus my own. So, you know, that's a, that's a good starting point. So I think that's important. Whenever possible, I like to have meetings standing up. Because people don't tend to, you know, lollygag when we're all standing up. And of mm-hmm. course, that's not possible for everything, but it actually can be a great way to increase productivity because it's sort of like a football huddle. You know, people tend mm. to get to the point much easier. Um, I do something called I, I park things, you know, during meetings because I think what happens lots of times is when people get distracted or it's been a while, people tend to bring up random things that have nothing to do with the topic. Tangents. Like, oh, it's yeah. Susie's birthday on Thursday. Where should we go? We should get her cupcakes. And then a war breaks out about who has the best cupcakes in town. And, and you know, then tw- right, right. 30 <laughs> minutes later, you know, we haven't decided about the cupcakes or whatever the meeting was about. So I like to say, okay. We want to, we want to take care of Susie's birthday. Let's park that or, you know, come see me about that later or go talk to Suzanne and have her decide, you know, just sort of immediately push it to the side, but, but give sort of an action item to whoever brought it up so that they know it'll get addressed, but that right now we're focusing on something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I try not to check email constantly. I try to check email at the top and the bottom of the hour which I know is anxiety inducing for some event planners because we you know, get a lot of email. You do. You email. do. Oh my goodness. Um, but I think that it, it gets in the way of me doing work because mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if I spend, you know, 10 or 20 minutes out of an hour writing emails to me, that's productive. But then the rest of the 40 minutes, if every time I'm trying to finish a contract or, you know, if, you know, finish up a talk or do some research, I'm looking at my, you know, email, my brain is in half and I can't focus on one thing or another. So Mm -hmm. I find that checking it at the top of the hour, the bottom of the hour, the middle of the hour for, you know, 10 or 20 minutes responding, you know, is good. And then the rest of that time I can really focus on a task. Right. And items that are probably more important to your agenda. Not selfish, but (laughs) you need to do your work. Of course. Yes. Um, and then I always, you know, let people know if it's an emergency, call me, don't mm-hmm. text, call me if it's an emergency and yes. then, but it's rare that it's that big of an emergency. So almost no one calls. <laughs> so then I know that if it's 20 minutes later that they hear from me, it's okay because it's only 20 minutes. And, mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I do, um, sort of be more productive is I block off times for everything during the mm-hmm. day. So every task has. 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, however long I assigned to it. And I started out way too fast. So I started out, you know, um, blocking off every day. (laughs) And I rebelled against myself. (laughs) I was like, I'm not doing this, even though I put it in place for myself by myself. And I found myself not being able to deal with that. So then I just started with three days a week in the morning. So from nine to 12, I blocked off my times and I found out those were the most productive days. And then I started doing it every morning from nine to 12 and then three days a week, all day long, you know, Mm -hmm. and now it's about four and a half days, four and a half um, days. I still, my Friday afternoons are still 
free. It's my one yes. <laughs> free, free moment. Um, but I find I'm a lot more productive because I know, mm-hmm. okay, I have 20 minutes to get this contract done. And that's then it's going to get done in 20 minutes because that's the time that I allotted. And then I can push it off my plate. And I don't have to worry about the 10 other things because I've blocked off time for them. So, you know, I, I, I can focus on just what I need to at that moment. And knowing that other things each have an assigned time and, and, a place in my day gives me a lot less anxiety and allows me to focus without worrying. Oh, when am I going to get to that? You know, am I going to be able to do that? Well, if you a lot time, it can alleviate a lot of sort of stress and worry um, and promote focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scheduling time in the calendar is totally key. I think that helps me too. I love that. <laughs> Anything you need, just put it in your calendar. Yes. So, Even the smallest task. I know it sounds so silly, but it's a way to sort of get things done. It is because every piece of time is valuable for sure. So right. Making sure it all has a, it has a purpose. So you're working with purpose. Yes. So, um, so what do you do when you have saved so much time and you're so efficient? Um, do you usually put more work in there or how do you balance um, your life, balance that out? with the time that you save from, from being so productive? Sometimes I'll add in more things, things, things that are a little bit back burner, but I, I would like to get to quicker, but they're not immediate. I can fill in there with some of that extra time. Um, and you know, the rest of the time is time for me because I've, because I've organized my days and blocked off pretty much every task I'm going to do, even the smallest one. I tend to get almost everything on my list, if not everything, and then some done. So then I have time to do to cook dinner and to call Mm -hmm. a friend and to, you know, do all those sort of life balance things that we wish we could do. And before when I didn't block off time and wasn't prioritizing my to do list, you know, I felt like I never had enough time and I never got Mm -hmm. everything I needed to get done done. Um, And, you know, I even factor how long it'll take me to drive places and drive back and you know, all that stuff is sort of factored into my day so that I, I really know how much I can get done in in a day. Right. And you touched a little bit on wasting time a bit. I know sometimes as a leader, you might have people on your team that don't have time for a lot. <laughs> and um, even as leaders, maybe we feel like we do not have time. So how, what are your suggestions just from talking on leadership and productivity? How can people find out where is their time being wasted and how they can help themselves out with that problem that they have? I think some of the thing is finding ways to interrupt yourself when you want to distract yourself. So maybe limiting the amount of time you have on social media, mm-hmm. you know, and really looking at your phone and it tells you now if you, if you have it there. Um, yes. On your iPhone. Right. Which is horrifying. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> it was horrifying for me when I found out. But it's also a reality check, you know, Mm -hmm. just say I'm spending way too much time on these three apps. I don't need to be spending that much time. I'm wasting time. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's a good thing to do. I I, I always, whenever I see an article that I want to read, even Mm -hmm. if it's something personal, um, professional, whatever it may be, I always click it and I, um, I save, save the article link to an Evernote app, but you can save it in your notes in in your iPhone or wherever. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm waiting online at the grocery store, or I'm waiting for someone for a meeting, I click through and, and read the articles then. So then I know I won't lose them and I'm going to be able to read them. I just don't have to interrupt what I'm doing right then 
to read the article because I think that can also be a way to distract ourselves. I try to do two things at once in the sense of not that I'm splitting my tasks, but when I'm driving, I like to make birthday calls, how are you doing calls, you know, calls with clients. Um, uh, I like to do sort of what I call sweat working. So <laughs> I'll have clients or potential clients maybe meet me for a yoga class or, you know, a spinning oh, class. That's a good idea. And um, that way we're both doing something positive for ourselves. We feel really good afterwards. Usually we're both in a really good mood mm-hmm. and it gives us a little bit of time, but there's not that super heavy pressure of trying to, you know, close that deal. And then I've also gotten to do something good for myself and so have they. And so it's sort of, and I do that with friends and family too. So if I don't have time to see them, I try to um, uh, work in either a workout or, or some kind of meal. Like I often don't eat breakfast or lunch alone. And it's, and it's my time to just catch up with people, you know, catch up with staff, catch up with clients, potential clients, family, friends, you know, those are really good times because you have to eat. And so instead of eating at my desk, you know, I try to do that also. And that's another way to sort of check off some of those boxes. Oh, I, t- I really like those ideas. And I like, did you call it sweat working? I like yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really great idea. I, I think I read an article about walking meetings too, you know, starting to walk just like your other su- um, suggestion of standing and having a meeting. Those are ways that you can include just healthiness into your work too. Oh yeah. And I also think, especially if you're giving feedback and and maybe some negative feedback, I always love to take a walk Mm -hmm. um, because when they have to come into your office and they're facing you, you know, it can produce anxiety with them. They can feel nervous. You know, it can feel like you're confronting them, but if you're shoulder to shoulder with someone and just walking, you know, there's, there's a more casual, it's, it feels more casual. It feels more relaxed. It feels less like an attack. And mm-hmm. so I find that staff can often take feedback better when they're sort of shoulder to shoulder walking than if they come into your office and you have to give them a download on maybe where they may have dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about creativity in the workplace and how leaders can help cultivate those creative sparks within their teams. I know sometimes you can get into the whole mundane work of doing the Monday through Friday, nine to five, but how can we continue to spark, have those creative sparks within our teams as leaders? I think one of the most important thing is, is to let your staff get out of the office. Mm. Um, whether it's, you know, maybe for an hour on Friday, letting them go to any museum they want or any, mm-hmm. any sort of cultural event that they would want to, letting them, encouraging them to get out of the office for lunch, literally leave the building so that they see new things. And, and they, then I feel like when you get outside of the office, those are sometimes when your best ideas happen because mm-hmm. you get inspired by something, you, you see a piece of art or you hear someone, you know, uh, in line talking about something and sort of makes you think about something else. So that's one of the biggest things, because I think, how do you expect your workers to be, you know, creative if they're always in the same space, in the same cubicle and with the Mm -hmm. same color floor and the same color, you know, walls and, you know, um, they can be stifled like that. Yeah, Um, I think that can be different, too, with virtual teams, because I lead a virtual team. um, And I see a lot of event planning roles being more virtual. So how can you ensure that they leave their house? (laughs) you know, or their desk to take that time. 
maybe you have them put it on their calendar. Just say yeah. literally, you know, I want to know that you went to, you know, went out to, or, or if they want to have their lunch at home, go for a walk, do get out of the house, mm-hmm. do something else mm-hmm. than, um, be in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think restrictions on things can really prevent people from being creative. So mm-hmm. I always used to say with my teams at the PR agency, um, there's no budget. Just just come up with an idea. It could be as crazy, as insane as you want. Just go for it. And, you know, then we could they'd come back with great ideas and then we'd figure out how to work it into the budget. We'd dial it back or change it or, you know, then we'd work together as a team to figure out how we could maybe make that possible. Or if it was a really great idea, you know, maybe we'd go back to the client and say, hey, we came up with this insane idea. It's going to cost another twenty thousand dollars, but we think it's going to have great ROI. What do you think? Um, and I found that that really <clears throat> helped them be more creative than saying, okay, you needs to do something within this and it's going to have, you know, it's going to be, have to be this much budget or has to be on this theme. You know, sometimes putting too many restrictions on things can really limit people's ability to think, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're restrict, you know, they're in that lane. And so they're worried about going out of that lane. And I feel like when you go out of those lanes is when you tend to be more creative and then you can mm-hmm. draw it back, then you can pull it back into whatever theme or budget or whatever you're trying to focus on after the fact, after that great idea comes up. Right. And I know that, well, I don't know, but I feel like being creative um, really helps you it seems as though it's tied to healthiness too and tied to maybe well-being because you feel like you're creating and you're kind of um, in a purpose um, and you're working with purpose and I think it's great for leaders to give that to their teams um, and have them create <laughs> yes no absolutely um, I also think like assigning different things or having them share different things that are from other industries or other interesting ideas are just useful for people to just hear. So, you know, maybe, you know, you do events in in the, the, of the finance industry, but people are talking about something interesting that, you know, some, something that's happening in healthcare Mm -hmm. and finding ways to sort of bridge some of those gaps, but having some of those conversations that are outside of your industry or outside of what you're doing is a kind of a fun way to have everyone do something a little outside of their regular job, but also can prompt ideas and discussion, that kind of stuff. Great. So I know we're winding down our time here. Um, wanted to ask you a couple of simple questions, but I always like to hear what are the favorite apps that people have on their phones that really literally help them with their just what they do? Um, do you have any apps on your phone to help you with productivity or work-life balance or leadership that you would like to share with everyone? Yes. So I love, um, I love Evernote because it's so versatile and you can really um, just, it can be a a brain dump. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. And I can always go back to things and I know it's never lost because it's always there. So when I want to just get a bunch of stuff out, I do that. Um, I love Acuity Scheduling. So it's a scheduling app that I have through my computer Um, where people, you know, for the most part, um, if, if they're new, I'll go back and forth with them on scheduling. But if I know them, I'll send them a link and I'll say, Hey, um, pick a time that's convenient for you. 
and my schedule is the way that it is so that I'm open certain times to take calls and then they, or meetings or whatever it may be. And then they click through and they pick a time that's good for them. And of course it's good for me because my calendar's open and it alleviates that back and forth of emails. Cause you know, for the longest time, so much of my back and forth was, can you do it at Tuesday at four? No, I can't do it Monday at two. No, I can't do it till next Friday at one. Oh, you know, I mean, it, to me, it was a waste of time. So that was sort of a good way for me to get um, sort of that eliminate some of those emails and um, just become more productive that way. No, I really, I really like that. Um, because a lot of times we're working with different calendaring systems to so having an app that would have your calendar in there and just send that to your client, have them pick a time. So that sounds good. Oh, yeah. Um, and I also love any kind of sort of white noise or timer app because mm-hmm. par- part of what I do when I sort of to set my tasks is to set a timer. And it's sort of like taking a quiz, like you have to finish by the end of the timer and it sort of promotes that gaming mentality that happens. Um, so I find that that helps me and they have ones that have white noise or they have ones that are just countdown timers. And I find that helps me keep on task. I want to beat the clock Um and, um, so that's another great one, um, that great. I like to use a lot. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. I think that those are, those are amazing. Evernote. Um, I heard so much about it. I do not use it Evernote, but definitely, um, we'll check that out. I heard there's so much you can do with it. Yes. Um, so, you know, you can put in audio, you can put in pictures. So I heard it's very versatile. Yes. Perfect. All right. And then finally, what are just your top three um, pieces of advice that you have for other leaders in the industry, just about leading others and balancing it all? I think, you know, putting yourself first, you know, I said this a little bit in the beginning, but you're, you're going to be your best self and your best um, leader and your best, you know, um, partner and best mother, father, sister, mm-hmm. brother, friend, if you really do something for yourself first and try to do it if you can in the morning, because otherwise um, it may fall to the back of the list. And so I think that's super important. And you come to the day feeling really full because you're like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I already had my time. Like I'm ready to like take on the day and give to everyone else. I think there's a way too much um, – sort of pressure put on certain things, you know, not everything is an emergency and not everything Mm -hmm. um, is that big of a deal. You know, so many things are, you know, they may be a problem, but they're not the end of the world. So trying to have perspective on some of those things and, you know, having patience and understanding with um, your staff about those kinds of things. Um, And then I think really finding ways to encourage and, give more opportunities and responsibilities to your staff is probably one of the greatest things that you can do because they're going to mess some of it up along the way, but they are going to rise. So many times they rise to the occasion and are really hungry for more. So however, information with them, you know, um, more professional development training or more responsibilities. I think, you know, that is the way to really motivate your employees is to give them more, have them be learning, having them acquire new skill sets. You know, that's why people want to show up to work because they're doing something new. They're not bored. They feel motivated. They feel like you believe in them to do more. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That's amazing advice. I really just appreciate your time that you gave today to be able to come and speak to us about leadership and balancing it all and productivity. You were filled with so much, so much words of knowledge. So thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. And you and I are office supply soulmates, you know, and the fact that we (laughs) love, I can never have enough ever. Yep. Have a, have a stock of Mm post-its. Always. (laughs) Sure. Always. So again, thank you so much and just appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful conversation with Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming to the table and discussing work-life balance and everything leadership. It was wonderful to be able to have that discussion with you. I took away so much um, from that conversation. I really enjoyed Lindsay talking about putting herself first. How She wakes up every morning and makes herself full by doing the things that are important to her before she jumps into her day. And I love it. Um, Towards the end of the conversation, when we talked about her saying, you know, in order to be the best person, the better leader, put yourself first, Um, do what you need to do first, and then you are able to serve others. So I thought that was very, very powerful and appreciated that advice. Also love when she was talking about creativity in the workplace, getting your team out of the office, encouraging them to get out of the office at least one day a week just to learn new ideas, just to do something different, do something new, being out in in just free allows you to be able to just learn new things and pick up new ideas and just innovate. And those are things that good leaders need on their teams so that they can keep their teams pushing forward and keep their teams growing. And I really appreciated her, you know, giving us an out as far as event planners go and not putting too much pressure on everything. I think that as event planners, we are type A, we are controlling, we definitely want things to be perfect. But Lindsay did mention, have perspective, have patience, have understanding um, on things that aren't perfect, because um, no one really kind of hits perfection. So if you can have that understanding, uh, you can be able to really feel proud of the product that you did offer up and um, stand by it without any any humility or embarrassment or anything that's negative. So um, I know my team is really discussing that point because we've been reading Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Highly recommend that book. And Brene really talks about um, perfection and how it's really dangerous for us that we, you know, consider things perfect or we strive for, for perfection. So it's, you know, Perfection is only up to a certain person's perspective. Um, It's their perspective of perfect. So um, we are really in a catch-22 if we start to try to feed in to that. So really, we can just, you know, have a healthy way of striving for our teams. I think that's, you know, it's definitely healthy to be able to have that perspective, patience, and understanding that Lindsay was talking about. So really, really thank you so much for joining today. If you can, definitely go and like the podcast, follow us on Twitter, and um, like us on Facebook. And if you um, can join us on June 5th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be having a Facebook Live where we'll be talking about Michael Hyatt's new book, which is Free to Focus. Pick up a copy of that book, read it, 
come equipped for the conversation. If you don't get around to reading it, still come for the conversation. We hope to get some great tips about how to save time by doing less, achieving more, and um, really just still meeting our goals by doing that. So thank you so much again for joining and have a wonderful rest of your day. Cheers.